Thank you, Bill. Let's pray as we approach God's Word. Lord, we, uh, we consider the promise that You have given us in Jesus of a new citizenship, a heavenly one, Father. And we, we struggle, we confess, we struggle to comprehend the depth and the breadth of all that means. And we pray this morning, Father, that You just nudge us a little deeper into the truth and the majesty of Your love for us. That we would indeed grasp that we are strangers and exiles here awaiting our true heavenly citizenship. God, mark us. Set us apart for Your glory and joy. As we turn our attention now to Your Word, Father, we pray that You'd give us the grace to see clearly. Would You guard us, Lord, from error and guide us in Your truth? We pray in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Well, it is so good to be back home. It's good to be in Washington. It's good to be here with you at Friendship Community Church. The, the Thomas clan was on vacation last week. We got one of those Verbo places. You heard of Verbo? It's kind of like Air, Airbnb where you, uh, you can rent out your, your personal place, your home, to someone else for a certain period of time, and, and man, we had a wonderful time. We were down on the Chesapeake Bay. We were catching lots of crabs and getting plenty of sunburns. Um, I'm still peeling. And yet, while we were there, we had a fantastic time, but while we were there, we, uh, we couldn't help but notice around every corner that this place was not our home. I mean, for crying out loud, in the, in the place where we were staying, they had their family pictures framed on the walls and on the end tables, their personal decorations, their fingerprints were everywhere, all over the place. So it got me to thinking, what if we got a little bit uh, out of alignment as it related to that short-term rental that we were staying in down on the Chesapeake Bay? What, what if... We, uh, we had an unhealthy sense for that short-term vacation, and we began to see that short-term stay as our long-term destination. Think about that with me. What if the family of that home on the Chesapeake Bay came back home to their place and found us still there, like all eight of us in, in, uh, in our glory, one, one to come? What if... They found that we had swapped out their family's pictures in all the frames for Thomas family pictures, and we'd reorganized the cupboards and threw up new paint on the walls. I mean, how ridiculous would that be? After all, this was not our home. It, it belongs to somebody else. And, and what we're going to see in our text this morning as we continue to work our way through Hebrews chapter 11 is this spiritual reality reminding us that this world is not our home. So open up your Bibles, if you haven't already, to Hebrews chapter 11. The author of the Hebrews is doing something beautiful here in the 11th chapter of his letter. He's, he's uh, defining faith, as it were, giving us a working definition of what this faith that we hold in Jesus is. And then by the power of the Holy Spirit, we get something beautiful. We get these pictures 
These exemplars of what it means to live faithfully. And last week, uh, Benjamin walked us through the example of Abraham. Now, there, there was something interesting happening as we get to this portion of our text in Hebrews chapter 11. We'll begin in verse 13. Before this, and then, and then again after this, is the example of Abraham. And, and sandwiched between these two chunks of Abraham's life is this little section we're going to be camping out today in. Hebrews 11, verse 13 to 16. It's, it's almost as if the Holy Spirit is zooming in to the life and to the example of Abraham. And then when he reaches this point in verse 11, he zooms out for just a moment to, to cover some bigger, broader spiritual principles for us. And then he zeroes back in when he's done on Abraham again. So let's read together Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 13. The author of Hebrews is led by the Holy Spirit, and he tells us this. These, all these examples we've seen before, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they'd been thinking of that land from which they'd gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. Wow. What a, what a beautiful text. And, and this morning, my simple goal is to highlight three things that this text teaches us about what it means to live by faith. Here they are. If you're one of those organized people, you need an outline. We're going to look first at our reward. Then we'll consider our status. And then lastly, we'll end by looking at our final destination. Let's start with the reward. Look at verse 13. It addresses what I believe is one of the biggest tension points in the Christian life. Simply stated, it's this. Our reward is later. That's hard. Our reward is Later, let's look at it again, verse 13. All these, all these examples of faith that the Holy Spirit airs out for us here in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, the hall of faith, all these died by faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So what's happening here? We learn that these examples of faith died. And they still had not received the things promised. I mean, tell me that doesn't produce some tension in your hearts. They were not holding in their hands the promises that God had made to them. Not, not fully. They didn't seize their final rewards when they died. They saw them. They saw them. They greeted them from afar, but they only got a glimpse, didn't they? Just a glimpse of what was truly promised. My friends, this 
is precisely how our faith still works today. As followers of Jesus, we need a reminder from the Word of God, a fresh reminder today that our reward, our inheritance, our true and forever home comes later. Not now, later. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that there are no benefits to following Christ here on earth. There, there are tremendous benefits for, for living for Jesus here and now on this side of the sun. Nothing compares to the peace that we feel, the joy, the hope that Christ gives us. And yet, let's just call a spade a spade. Any honest Christian who's been living the faith for any amount of time will tell you, this thing's hard, isn't it? And this thing called the Christian faith, this, this walk, this life, is really hard. I was uh, reading, just spending some time with the Lord in the Word yesterday, and my, my Bible reading, I'm in, I'm in the book of Acts, about halfway through, and I'm, I was reading in verse uh, chapter 14 of the book of Acts, having no connection, not, not trying to make any connection with the sermon today, just spending some time with the Lord, and, and I read in Acts 14 how Paul and Barnabas had been sharing the gospel with these new converts on their missionary journeys. And, and I want you to hear just one line. You don't need to turn there. I'm just going to read to you Acts 14.22. This is how Paul and Barnabas tell their new converts, new believers in Jesus, baby Christians, how to brace themselves for the life to come. Listen to this, Acts 14.22. Paul and Barnabas strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue continue in the faith and saying that saying what what are they going to tell these baby christians through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of god paul told them that after having just been stoned if we're honest friends i think this truth really produces some some tension, this war that wages internally within us. Because here's the deal. Our natural human tendency, our natural inclination, easy for me to say, is to try to maximize our experience here on this side of the sun. Isn't that true? Left to our own devices, that's just what naturally happens. We try to squeeze all we can out of life and yet scripture tells us that the here and now that we see and experience yeah that's not home that's not it for you or for me faithfulness then looks for a future reward Faithfulness looks for a future reward. It doesn't mean that we ignore the blessings that life has for us here and now, but, but faith recognizes that the full promise, the full reward is coming. Theologians talk about this as the already not yet of our faith, this tension that, that we, we're in Christ now. His promises belong to us here and now, and yet there's a sense in which they're not all here, are they? We're not walking in all the fullness that we will when Jesus returns, when He transforms these pathetic bodies 
to be like His glorious body? Man, we, like them, Friendship Community Church, see it by faith. We get to greet it from afar, but we don't hold it, not yet. And by the authority of the Word of God, what I just want to do this morning is stir you up by way of reminder, church, to say, it's worth it. The reward, friends, is well worth the wait. I think of the cry of the psalmist. Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord, the psalmist said. My soul waits. And in His Word, I hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. You wait like that? More than watchmen for the morning. That's a man... That's a woman who can speak like that, who can pray like that, who understands that our true reward is coming. And our here and now is framed, it's it's filtered, it's funneled through the grid of what we do not yet see. Next point, I think, just flows naturally out of this one. The the Scripture starts by telling us here in verse 13 of Hebrews 11, your reward, Christian, is later. The next point is similar, just the next step, if you will, from there. I'll I'll ask this question to, to prime it up. How are we to see ourselves then? If our reward's later, how are we to see ourselves in this brief time that we have under the sun? What's our status? Two words, at least in Hebrews 11. Scripture's answer to that question is two words. Your status, Christian, is stranger. That's who you are. You're you're an exile, Hebrews 11. We'll pick up on the back end of verse 13 and in verse 14 again. Having acknowledged this, these examples of faith were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak to us make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. In other words, our status here, Christian, is a temporary one. We are sojourners. Just travelers. We're we're pilgrims, if you will. Strangers and exiles. Is, Is that how you see yourself? Is that how you see your job? Is that how you see your, your home? Is that how you see your family? I'm, I'm, I'm an exile here. I mean, my, my roots are planted. I, I am where God has me. And yet, my comfort, my hope is not wrapped up in this place. I'm, I'm passing through. Again, we return to the bottom line. This world is just not our home. That's what Bill read to us just a moment ago. Man, I love that passage from Philippians 3 where we're told that our citizenship in Jesus is in heaven. I mean, it's Memorial Day. My goodness, how thankful I am that that the Lord would have me born in this day, in this age. It's a bit of a mess. We'll all acknowledge that. But in this country where we're gathered Worshiping Jesus with no recourse? What a blessing. I'm not looking over my shoulder as I preach this morning. Maybe one day. 
I love this country. And yet, my highest allegiance is not America. I mean, hold, hold on. I've got a master's degree in constitutional studies from an Ivy League college. I love America, okay? I know a whole lot about the Constitution. I'm just going to lay my cards on the table. And my primary allegiance is not here. When I walk through these doors on a Sunday morning, I'm not concerned about the circumstances around me. I, my eyes are fixed on my Savior, and He provides for me a better country. Did you hear that? We'll get there in a minute. I'm like skipping ahead. A better country. That's home. That's where our primary allegiance lies. Citizenship in heaven. And this theme, friends, this theme of being in the world but not really belonging to the world is just littered throughout the pages of the Old and the New Testament. Listen how, to, how the Apostle Peter describes it. Man, I love this too. I've got this one on the screen for you. 1 Peter 2, verse 11. Peter identifies fellow believers this way. How does he describe the Christians he's writing to? He, he says this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners, as exiles, that's who you are, sojourners, exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. That we would grasp, that we would grow up into this truth. And what a vain and tiresome pursuit it is to try to, to try to achieve peace and happiness and satisfaction here in this life. It won't work. It can't fill the void. It just won't do it. Try as we may. You know this. You've tried and I have too. No amount of skill or grit or determination can produce within you or me a true sense of home for which our souls long. And it's when we recognize this. So we recognize our status as strangers, as exiles, that we are spared from idolizing our jobs, our money, our relationships, our pleasure. That we are spared from exalting all the types of fool's gold that the world would flash before us to seek fulfillment there. Now, more on this when we hit some, some practical application on the end. Let's, let's pick it up once more. Back in the text. Let's just snap back to the text for a minute. Verse 14 again. Hebrews eleven fourteen. 14. For people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. If they'd been thinking about the land they left, the land which they had gone out from, they would have had the opportunity to return. No one's making you stay. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed. Think about that. A holy God would not be ashamed of you in Jesus because He's prepared for you a city. 
So, we've seen that. Our reward, clearly from this passage, our reward is not here, it's later. Our status is that of exile, of of stranger. And lastly, here in this passage, the Holy Spirit tells us that our final destination is a better country, a better homeland, one designed, this will blow your mind when you begin to, to really think about it, designed by God Himself. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to tell you, friend, if you've been following Jesus and you're a little tired, this can be tiring, can't it? If your body is wearing out and if you're looking around you and you're beginning to lose hope by what you see on the news, I'm just trying to remind you this morning, Christian, to take heart. To be encouraged because we make this journey as exiles, as strangers, this journey with joy. Because God has not called us to settle for some less than experience. And here's His promise to us. He says, the country that you're journeying toward, exile, sojourner, wanderer, this country you're moving towards is better. Let's not rush by this. The actual word, look look in your Bibles here, the actual word used here in in the Greek for better is the uh, word, excuse me, kraton. Can you say that? Kraton. You know what kraton means? Kraton, better, means stronger. It means better. It means superior. That's the country that God has in store for you. A superior country. A stronger country. It's just better. How can you carry yourself with joy through the ups and downs of life? Well, it's because you understand that what Jesus has in store for you, what He has waiting through the veil, through the curtain of this temporary life, is better. I mean, just just go read it. And you want a dose of hope this weekend? Just go read the end. Go read Revelation 21 and, and 22. And if your heart, follower of Jesus, doesn't leap a little, And something's wrong. Something's off kilter. Because this, no more tears, not stained with sin, glorified bodies, the presence of your God. You get to walk with Him. This is home for you and me. This is why just a few verses before our passage this week, we read about in Abraham. Benjamin took us through this last week. Look at verse 10. Just back up a couple verses. Hebrews 11, verse 10. Speaking about Abraham, Scripture says he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Now, some of us here have quite an imagination. I bet some of you have dreamed up amazing plans for your home, for your property, for that car you're going to design. My uh, 
I'm just in kid mode, right? I just the, the season of life that I'm in. I, I, I feel like LeVar Burton. I think I showed you a kid's book last time I was here. I got another one for you this week. Here, here it is. Uh, my wife brought it in today. If I Built a Car by Chris Van Dusen. I'll just show you a picture. This is a kid dreaming about if he could design his own automobile, right? And so that's, like, that's, the, that's the hood. There's a pool in it. His dad's like in shock. It's a fun little rig. He, uh, he, he actually has produced another one. If, if I could build a house by Chris Van Dusen. That's my point. It's easy for us to dream about what kind of life, what kind of home, what kind of career, what kind of marriage we would love. Imagine for a moment the city that God Almighty himself has designed we can't you're right you don't have the intellectual aptitude you you don't have a compartment in your brain to comprehend how good this is going to be god almighty with every resource at his disposal perfect and good has designed a city and that friends that city is home. It puts this kind of stuff to shame. It puts your measly little dreams and hopes to shame. They pale in comparison because your destination, your final destination is better. It's Craton. It's better. So, um, if you're, again, if you're struggling with discouragement, and there, there's so many things, I don't want to belittle the circumstances this morning that could be pressing upon you. I just want to invite you once again to look up, follower of Jesus, to look ahead, and like the examples held out for us here in Hebrews chapter 11, we only get a glimpse, but we see from afar a better country, a country with our names on it. In His presence is fullness of joy. At His right hand are pleasures forevermore. And if you, if you just want to you sink yourself deeper into some of this joy, as you consider the better journey for poor pilgrims like you and me, just uh, want to commend to you maybe a book that's... Um, uh, a few steps above, uh, if I built a car, and that's uh, that's a book uh, called Pilgrim's Progress. The Pilgrim's Progress, written in originally 1678 by John Bunyan from prison, who understood a thing or two about what it meant and what it still means to be a pilgrim, to be a stranger and an exile walking through the perils and the trials of this life with a joy, with a spring in our step. Because what's waiting for us in Jesus is just so much better. All right, that's, that's it. That's the three points I've got for you this morning. So before we finish, I just want to turn to some application. I want to ask the question, how do we with these beautiful truths before us from the Scripture seek to be not just hearers of this Word, but doers of it? What do we do about this stuff? 
And I got three simple stick-to-your-rib points for application. Here's the first one. Don't even entertain, Christian, the thought of turning back. No turning back. That's the first application. Sadly, Scripture is filled with examples and our lives and experiences are too of people who have, with their lips, with their mouths, made a profession of faith to the one true God. And yet, as life and as time wears on, they begin to lose their vision, their focus of the Gospel, of of the goodness of God. And what do they do? They begin looking back over their shoulder to Egypt. And they are enamored, sadly, with the country that they left behind. This is a constant refrain, particularly uh, when God's people through the book of Exodus and, and, uh, and the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, and God's people, the, their jailbreak from, from Egypt, the military superpower of the world, and, and they are delivered miraculously after God rains down plague after plague, disassemble the, their Egyptian overlords and their, their, their military structure, and God's people is moving toward the promised land. And things begin to get difficult. What do they start to do? Well, they start to pine for their bondage in Egypt again, don't they? Oh, if only we were back in Egypt. They're constantly trying to get back there. You remember the cucumbers? I don't know how good these cucumbers got to be that you got to want to go put your shackles on again to get them. Remember the cucumbers? Remember the melons? Remember the pots of meat that we sat around? You see, sometimes we can lose focus and we can be so enamored by the temporal pleasures that are placed before us that we would be willing to exchange our heavenly birthright for the pleasures of bondage from which God has taken us. No looking back, friends. No looking back. You left that land in Jesus and have a new citizenship. Don't pine for your bondage. Listen, child of God, you don't look good in shackles anymore. So when you are tempted by the sin which so easily entraps us, entangles us, you get caught up in things of your past. Scrolling through some pictures online. Caught back up again in materialism and foul language and any number of other things. Pick your sin. Flee. Isn't that what Peter said? As sojourners, as exiles, flee from the bondage of this life. Don't get close. Don't cozy up to your sin. No turning back, friends, for citizens of heaven. Here's the second thing I think we can do. Don't look back. The second thing is this. (laughs) By God's grace, may we learn to loosen our grip on the things of this world. Listen, if you've got a a vice grip on anything here, 
you are setting yourself up for major disappointment. Because living as strangers and as exiles frees us up to hold the things that God gives us here in life loosely. Loosely. Though we may enjoy for a time, and we do. Being, strange, being a stranger, exile here, doesn't mean we live some monk-like existence. I mean, you, ever, you don't ever enjoy good food or the, the, the material blessings that God gives or the family. No, God gives good things for us to enjoy them. But though we may enjoy them for a time, if we're holding in our hands the things of this world loosely, even the good things loosely, we will not be unduly swayed when we lose them. Or listen, if we should fail to attain them at all. Some of us are disappointed. Because life and worked out like you'd hoped. And if I can be pastorally sensitive and yet still a bit direct this morning, I would encourage you to stop spiritually sulking over the temporal dreams that you've marked out and have not yet seized. It won't satisfy you. It might be good. It might be fantastic. Whatever this image of your future that you want is. And I'm not saying it's wrong to pursue it, but if your hope is in this marriage that you just haven't quite found yet, or this job, or this fill in your idol, just not going to work if we hold the blessings the temporal things all of them that god gives in our hands loosely then not if but when we lose them because we will just wait just get old enough i'm not trying to be mean i just want to tell you the truth your pets are going to die parents are going to die your spouse am i telling you the truth you are going to wear out and die unless jesus comes first and if our treasure is here we are ruined when these things leave us and if as exiles of a better country though we might be grieved to the core by the loss of family and friends and the best things that the world has to offer we hold them loosely if we hold them loosely in our hands we will not be unduly shaken not if but when that moment Isn't that part of our problem? Holding too tightly the temporary things, temporary dreams. It's as if, to hearken back to my vacation example, it's as if we're swapping out pictures on the frames of our Airbnb rental. And we're really thinking it's time to renovate the bathroom too. 
Friends, these things are passing away. It doesn't mean that we love our families any less. It doesn't mean we fail to experience the joys of what's offered here any less. It just means that you have to see this world for what it is. Temporary. So we hold in our hands loosely the things God gives us. Last thing. Invest wisely. Invest wisely. I'm going to ask you three questions. How are you serving? How are you spending? And how are you savoring? How are you, how are you serving? If you've been set apart for the glory and joy of Jesus, not to spend the rest of your life on whatever you want, on yourself, but to live your life as a citizen of the kingdom of Jesus. And how, what are you doing about it? I mean, are you serving Him? What are you doing to, to move the ball forward, as it were, for the kingdom of God? How are you giving? How are you using your time and your energy? I mean, We've got 14 people signed up for VBS. Signed up to serve at VBS. Come on. I mean, <laughs> listen, my wife's having a baby. I don't even know if I'm there. Here's my point. VBS is not the end-all be-all, but think about this. I know it may not be your cup of tea, but we have the opportunity to share the joy and the Gospel to children through our community who are just going to show up here. They're just going to show up. We got already a month out, we got more than 22, 25 kids signed up. This place is going to be hopping. Come on now. Get signed up to serve. That's just one simple example. If that doesn't work for you, figure something else out. I'm not going to answer it for you. How are you serving, citizen of Jesus' kingdom? are you spending your money, your time, listen, your relationships? Are you savoring the little time you get here on your your relationship with the Lord? Are you just so caught up in the next thing and the tyranny of the urgent? I struggle with this. Do you? you? You fail to carve out time in prayer in His Word that you... And I, I was having so much fun two weeks ago when I was here watching kids hang off that tiny little playground that we got set up out there. And parents connecting outside. A beautiful thing. Spend time savoring your relationship with your, your Savior and with His people. I keep saying this. Would you just have somebody over to your house? Coffee. Food. Invest your time, and your moments wisely. Here's the diagnostic question. This will tell you where your heart sits. How much of your life is spent building up your kingdom? Be honest now. And how much of your life does God's kingdom get? seem to remember someone saying, maybe it was Jesus, Seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. And all the rest will follow. So I, uh, I've had this reminder in my mind the, from the blessing of a vacation. Th- think about that example as we close this morning. As silly as it would be for me to set up shop in that temporary rental, that's how goofy it looks for you and me, believer, to pretend like this is home. Let's live our lives, not just with a pipe dream, but with a present hope, with the, with the priorities in tow, believing that there's a better country waiting for you and me. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you. We thank you because we don't deserve the promise We don't deserve this country. We don't deserve your lavish love. But you've given it to us in Jesus. God, I just pray for the grace to believe your words. I pray for the grace, God, to hold loosely in our hands the things that you give us here and now. May we be men. May we be women. May we be boys and girls set apart for Jesus who seek first your kingdom. Lord, teach us how to run in faith. We pray all these things for Jesus and for his glory. Amen.